0: We're about to get into part two of the Three Attitudes series. We've been reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. We're finding out that the flesh is what gets in the way of the Spirit of God. We're going to read about Goliath, who stood for 40 days to defy the army of the Lord, and God needed someone who not only could, but God needed someone who would. A young man by the name of David showed up, and he was used of God to bring deliverance to the children of God. God with me means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. David did not expect failure when he went running straight toward Goliath. Let's find out how you can face your enemies, how you can face your problems, how you can face life's woes, if you will, and how you can be more than a conqueror, how you can be the victor and not the victim. I call this the I will attitude. Get your Bible. We're going to be reading lots of scriptures, and it's going to fortify and strengthen your heart, your soul, and your mind, and give you the faith that you need to be more than a conqueror. Directly from the Word of God, you're listening to That's the Truth. Thank God to be found in the house of God today. Amen. In the house of the Lord. And we're just managing to put the CD on right now. I was giving an exhortation on. A little bit of some of the scripture, the text that I covered last week in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul was saying whether, whether I am abased or whether I abound, whether I'm in lack or whether I, sh- I shall not want, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I thank God for that scripture. Praise God. I thank God that this man of God wrote what he did write to the Philippian church. And what I was looking at just before we put the CD on, I was looking at some scripture that was, or some examples of scripture, rather, where we are in a position where not only we can do or we have the mindset Or the attitude, as I call it, the I can attitude. And today as we progress, amen, I want to look at not only being able to say I can, but to be the man of God or the woman of God who will stand and say, I will. Amen. So I won't get you to say it yet. We're going to look at things that God calls us to do. And if you have faith, you can say it. If you have faith, which cometh from hearing, you can say, yeah, I will. I can do it. So I will do it, praise God. This is the mindset that we need to have. I was talking about Isaiah just before we put the CD on, how God was, I don't know, in the heavens looking around saying, is there someone that we can send? Amen. And somehow Isaiah got wind of the need God had. God needed a man. Thank God for Isaiah. We're going to get into the New Testament very shortly where God needed a woman. And we'll find out, praise God, that God. It's interesting to see how the Bible describes this woman by the name of Mary. We're going to get into Luke chapter 1. But here in the Old Testament was a man who who answered the call. And as I said, you begin reading chapter 1, everything seems to be fine and dandy. I'm going to preach the word of God. Can someone say amen? And I'm glad you said amen, but I was... In my mind, I was wondering if the people in Isaiah's day said amen. Amen. Isaiah was being sent to stand before kings, to stand before the leaders of his day. He was sent to walk the streets. He was sent to speak the word. He was sent to prophesy. He was sent to write the words on placards and walk the street. Not only Jesus did signs and wonders, Isaiah carried a sign. And when you see where a walk in the streets, and he wasn't sent. I mean, Jonah, rather, was sent to, to Nineveh. I don't think it was a godly city. I don't see where, how many Jews or how many Israelites were living in that city. Isaiah was sent to to God's people who weren't paying attention to what God wanted them to hear. Yet Isaiah said, I will go. Spirit of God was with Isaiah. This is the way, walk in it. How many people today have that attitude where I will, I will testify? I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. I will stand to defend the, the word of God. I will bring an offering into the house of God. I will clap my hands. I will sing. I will shout unto him with the voice of triumph. I will serve the Lord with the dance. And there's a lot of things that the Bible asks us to do. There's a lot of things that God wants us to do. And somehow today, and it's sad to say, amen, where I see the flesh of a woman or the flesh of a man get in the way of the Spirit of God. A brother was exhorting a few minutes ago before the CD came on. He says, the only way that God will be glorified is if the flesh gets out of the way. If Paul was able to say, I die daily, if Paul is not around, this means it has to be somebody else. I mentioned, amen, as I began to exhort again before the CD came on, I'll repeat it. I mentioned a couple of things, amen, that we can read in Mark chapter 1 and in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, amen, the first verse being where Jesus was in the house and he preached the word unto them. We backed up into Mark chapter 1 where we begin reading, and this is the beginning of the gospel of Christ. And we can begin reading about John, but John, amen, the vision, the heart that John had, John knew his place, And he said, as I begin to decrease I will decrease so that Jesus Christ will increase. Less of John means more of Jesus. When you get into Galatians chapter 2 verses 19, 20, and 21 it's not less of Paul more of Jesus. It's none of Paul what's another word I should use? What's the next word? Some of you with me? If it's none of Paul, it's rhymes with Paul, all, not a Paul, all of Christ, all of Jesus, this is what Paul, this is the vision that Paul was saying, amen, and it's not that Paul or Saul of Tarsus, as he was being raised in the system, in the religious system of his day, Paul was taught, he was raised and bred, if you would, to become the man that he was, against the church, he was destructive, Against the children of God, if you would, he persecuted the church. And I believed until the day he died, amen, he felt bad once he saw the light. Once he met Christ on that road to Damascus, began to realize what he was doing. Even I mentioned, again, before the CD came out, I was speaking about people. My wife and I have had the privilege to travel across Canada uh, this summer in the past three months. I've gone from Alberta. Here we are in Newfoundland this afternoon. Thank God to be in Newfoundland. And my wife said amen. Anyways, thank God to be in Newfoundland. And I've seen a lot of people where they have, where the flesh has kind of allowed them to become, to enter into a comatose state where they're just kind of existing. Oh, they show up in church. That's a good thing. Anyways. But it's just—it's as if their testifyings have. There's been no increase, in their testifying. No increase in their tithes. No increase in their offerings. No increase. Even, there's even been decrease. I've said this before, and I don't know if this applies to everyone, but I mentioned before, where, especially in Montreal, where the, a lot of people came in off the streets. But this can apply to—I I, believe—anywhere across Canada. We're coming into this ministry where we weren't married. We, some of us didn't even have a job or we barely had a job. It was a part-time job. And we serve God. Amen. Before the wife or the husband, the children, the cat, the dog, the big house with the two-car garage, the fridge upstairs and the freezer downstairs, before all that got in the way, we serve God. We didn't have much, but what we had, we served God with it. Now that we have Increase. We've been blessed. We, we have a, a, a bountifulness of the Lord, if you would. It seems that we've gotten more and God still gets the same or God gets less. And God forbid. And uh, as I said, my wife and I, we've had the privilege of traveling across Canada. So we've met several people. Uh, I face people that I hadn't seen for years, people that believe, people that are serving God, people that are in that state. As I said, they're kind of lukewarm. Don't know which way to go and such. And I look at, on the most part, how, and I know this is 2019. This is Canada. This is a good place to be in 2019. Today, the sun is, I mean, we have rays of sunshine falling upon us this morning. We don't have bombs that are dropping on us. Here in Newfoundland, you may be dodging mosquitoes, but you're not dodging bullets. Come on. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? Sit there and say, well, you don't know, amen, how high the taxes are in Newfoundland. I'm not talking about taxes. I'm talking about our well-being, how good God is to us, how good God has been. And we need to recognize this. John took himself out of the picture. He says, I will decrease wise that he may increase. Paul says, it's no longer I that liveth. Paul removed himself from the picture. Jesus stood there and he says, I'm going to tell you something. He says, The flesh profiteth nothing. Picture Peter, um, some other disciples' names, Matthew, John, amen. Picture them looking at Jesus. And Jesus is standing there saying, The flesh profiteth nothing. Another instance, Jesus said, He said, The words which I speak unto you, they're not my words. Are you starting to get the picture? Jesus said, The works that I do, they're not my works. God was to be glorified. Amen. We had, before the CD went on, the Psalms was being read Psalm uh, 147, Psalm 148. And we can see, Amen. When you break down Psalm 148, you can see where David is. He's mentioning like angels. He's, he's mentioning all the the celestial, if you would, the heavenly beings. You ought to praise God. Then he begins to list things. Amen. He brings it down to earth. This is not just for the, the hosts uh, of the heavens, but he said this is for the elements or the things which God has made, God has created upon this face of this earth. Amen. There's a few verses that deals with the heavenly host. And then he brings it down, amen, into the earthly host. Amen. Talks about creation, the trees and the beasts. And it doesn't matter who it is. But the the point is, whether you're in the air or whether you're down here on this earth, God needs to be glorified. The elders around the throne, the Bible says, without ceasing, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. God is being glorified. And here we sit, waiting for Sunday to show up before we do something. And we need to be found. And the Bible teaches me that there's all kinds of glory that takes place on the face of the earth, but it's all vain unless it glorifies God. God first, everything else second. Because God was God, the Bible says, and he was God alone. Beside him, there was no other. So even from, if you want to look at it from a carnal, logical way of thinking, or if you want to analyze it in the flesh, as I said, God being first, and everything else being secondary, or thirdly, and a lot of things being zero, don't even count them as second when it comes to the flesh, when it comes to sin, when it comes to darkness, when it comes to religion, it's not second, it's just it's zero. But going back to God being first, and the glory which belongs to God, Because of who he is, because of who he was, and because of who he always will be. Sister, when she was reading from Psalm 119, she says, I don't know what it was. There was something about David's heart that intrigued God, that captivated God. That even the man of God, even the prophet couldn't see it when he stood in front of David's brothers. The Bible says he was ready to pour oil and God stopped them. Thank God, amen, for an obedient man of God. They would have ended up with the wrong king. Even though he looked good on the outside, he may not have been as tall as Saul, but he was certainly decorated, gone through boot camp, trained in the army. He impressed Samuel. He impressed the prophet of God. Amen. But God was looking, He says, He says, You may look on the outside, but He says, I know what's going on in the inside. That afternoon, many were called, but none were chosen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Am I in the wrong house? God said, no, you're in the right house. There's somebody missing. Somebody who not only can, but somebody who will. Because with the man of God, with Samuel standing there, looking at, I don't know how tall he was, and I'm sure when the preacher comes to town, especially when the preacher comes to your house, you make sure the Bible's out on the coffee table and... Put some nice clothes on. So I picture these, the the sons of Jesse as they're standing there in their Sunday best. Which one of us is going to be anointed? I don't know what David was doing in the field. He's just minding his business. I don't even know if they told him. If I take some liberty with the text, more than likely they didn't even bother with him. But thank God, God is God. Thank God for the man of God in touch with God and did not make a mistake that afternoon. Man of God turning around to Jesse, is there somebody else? I know these people can, but there's a good chance they won't. God needed somebody who would be obedient unto him, obedient unto his word. The Bible teaches us, and this is Old Testament teaching and New Testament teaching, that David had a heart unto God. And this is what makes the difference. Brother, last week when he testified, he says, I picture David when he says, Bless the Lord with all my soul and all that is within me. I mean, David wasn't just a quiet little person that you didn't really notice. I, mean, I think when David was serving God and when David was praising God, people took notice. He wasn't very kingly with a small K. Jonathan had to teach him. He says, you can't show up in front of my dad dressed the way you're dressed. Let me lend you some clothes, shepherd boy. You can't talk like you're talking to the sheep in the fields when you're standing in the courts of the king and his counselors and the naysayers and the yaysayers and whatever goes on in, the, in front of the throne. David had to learn these things. These things he had to come to. He had to be taught how to present himself, how to become. This is all outward. On the inside, God had already picked him based on his heart. God had already chosen him. God had already anointed him by the man of God. He had God's anointing. He had God's choice. He had God's, you know, today with our modern text, not text, with our modern uh, devices that we have, somebody says something or writes something and ding, and you get a little thumbs up. Amen. He already had God's approval. He already had God's thumbs up. I don't use emojis, so. I don't send those little pictures, but I get lots of them. So keep them coming, it's all right. When I send out a Bible verse and somebody sends me a thumbs up, all right. Going back to David, I mean, he already had God's approval, even though his own brothers, his own family didn't think much of him. You picture for 30 days, or was it 40? I'm talking about Goliath. Anyway, see, enough's enough. There's enough people that these are, this was God's people. Apparently they were with God or apparently God should have been with them. So any man who would have stepped up to the plate, God would have supported him. God would have been with them. So you had all these men sitting in the valley that could have, but none of them did. Looking at the size of Goliath, they were stopped, amen, in their tracks until David came. And David didn't come, amen, to fight, He was sent to look. That's why his dad sent him. Go see what's going on. Haven't heard much. But you haven't heard much because nothing's been going on. Except some uncircumcised, filthy giant making fun and mocking the household of God. And this this is how David picked up on what was going on. Who is this? I like the way how David questioned they looking at what was going on in the flesh. And I don't know if David was excited. He was going to be sent, going to see some action, going to see some fighting. It's going to be good because we're God's people after all. We should always be on the winning side. And David shows up and his brothers say, what are you doing here? Who's looking after our dad's sheep? Everything's fine. David said, everything's under control. What's, what are you? What, what's going on here? Here was somebody who showed up, David. Here was somebody who came on the scene who not only could, but he did. And this is what makes the difference. He didn't turn around listening to his brothers, to the king or to whoever else, and go back to the sheep in his field saying, well, if they would only let me. And this is the problem today when, when it comes time to do God's will, there will always, and mark my words, there will always be somebody in the flesh who will try to stop you or try to hinder you. You look at what Saul was trying to do, take some armor, wear this, do this. This is how you, that, that's fine. That's the way you would do it, but you're not doing anything anyways. Let's do it the way I know to do it God's way. And this is what makes the difference. This is how Goliath was defeated, not by Saul's way, or not by any of his brothers' way, not by the way they were trained in the army. The army being powerful, the army being mighty. David said, "This is not by power, nor it is by might." Goliath was insulted. Am I a dog? When he saw what was coming, amen, in his direction. But David was, he was enabled by God. And this is what I want to look at. I want to read some scriptures this afternoon. I'll read in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read one verse where we left off last week. For those of you listening to what I'm saying right now, if you have not then stop what you're about to hear if you have not heard the first part of this teaching, the I can attitude. In verse 13 in Philippians 4, where he says, I can do all things, can someone say all things? He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, just for those of you who are not here last week, just jump back to verse 11. Because before Paul said in verse 13, I can, in verse 11, he says, I have learned. In verse 12, he says, I know. And I asked a question last week. I said, when you learn something, what does that mean? Once you learn something, now you know something. So verse 11, he says, I have learned. Verse 12, he says, I know. And he repeats it again. Verse 12, I know. In verse 12, he says, I am instructed. So Paul wasn't born this way. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, verse 11, verse 12. I wasn't born this way. What came out of my mom, amen, what was produced by my dad needed to be born again. No amen. Some of you are so far back, maybe I don't hear you. What came out of your mom needed to be born again. Not because of religion, no. Jesus said, ye must. It doesn't give you much of a choice, does it? Jesus said, ye must. So what are you going to do about it? Amen. If Jesus says you've got to be born again, you must be born again. Thank God here I sit this afternoon. I am born again. I walk in newness of life. If any man, if any woman be in Christ. Amen. They are what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. I can do all things. Amen. All things. New things. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Thank God for all things. We get down where Paul says, now that I've learned... Now that I know, thank God for the instruction, things that I've learned from Christ Jesus, not what I learned from Gamaliel. What I learned from Gamaliel, he says, I counted but dung, so that I may get a different kind of knowledge. You either know what you know of a man or you know what you know of God, either or. Paul says, I'm going to take what I know of Gamaliel, count it as dung, get rid of it, so that I may know Christ, that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection, all of a sudden, amen, my knowledge, it's not only a different knowledge, it's a knowledge that increases, it's a knowledge that brings itself to life. Anything that will exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ, what do we do with it? We cast down, and the Bible calls them imaginations, people who think they're smart, And they maybe, maybe win all kinds of awards and certificates on their wall. Honored by man, but are you honored of God? God doesn't need the smart people of this world. He says, I'll take the foolish and I'll confound the wise. Some people sit in Bible school and they learn all kinds of things. Before the CD was on, sister was testifying. Somebody came knocking on her door. Jehovah Witness. And he's supposed to be presenting the gospel or presenting the Bible. And this was funny. I'll never forget what you said, sister. When he asked you your name, he said, Chloe, I've never heard that name before. Well, sister looked at him and says, now, if you would read your Bible, you'd have heard Chloe before because Chloe's in the Bible. I just laughed. I'm standing, I'm standing out. I don't know who this gentleman was. Pray for his soul, Lord. Amen. Some seed, whatever you planted in, into his mind, but you never know. He's supposed to be standing there with the Bible and all of a sudden he opens up his mouth and he lets you know that, say, well, I may have skipped a few verses here and there. (laughs) I may not be reading the Bible the way I should be because Chloe, it's in the Bible. Sometimes the things that we can say, and I'm not saying that I know everything in the Bible. Thank God I have brothers and sisters here today that can correct me, that can show me things because we're here to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul says, But I have learned. And you look at the experiences that Paul went through in ministry. Paul says, I had to learn. Whether I was way down here wanting or whether I was in the abundance, he says, I have learned to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ. Doesn't matter what I have, doesn't matter what I don't have. Doesn't matter what I need, doesn't matter what I don't need. He says, I can do all things through Christ. Amen. Are you reading with me verse 13? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And I mentioned this before I move on last week. I mentioned this where Paul is writing this in a jail cell. He's not out on a day pass. Amen. I mean, he's got a life sentence hanging over his head. At best, at worst, he'll lose his life. And he's still sitting there able to say, I can do all things. If I die, there's gain. If I live, it'll be profitable as well. It doesn't really matter because Christ is with me. Are you glad for that? I mentioned, I don't know if this got on the CD, but I mentioned, we're going to Luke chapter 1, where the messenger came to Mary And the messenger says, woman, you are highly favored. And I like what he says next. He says, for the Lord is with thee. It doesn't really matter what your neighbor thinks of you. What's important is what God thinks of you this afternoon. And to be highly favored with God means God is with me. God with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you with me this afternoon? Maybe some of you are beginning to see the vision or beginning to see the pattern which I'm laying out. Praise God. In my notes, it's Luke 1 and the 28th verse. Hail, woman, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with me. Blessed art thou amongst women. That's Luke 1, verse 28. Amen. The Lord is with you. Can some of you say that this afternoon? Can someone, you say it out loud. There we go. I'll be precise. The Lord is with me. Praise God. Say it again. The Lord is. Because your flesh doesn't want to believe this. People come and they tell you all kinds of things. Wait till you get to be 55. Wait till you to be 60. Wait till you to be 65. The doctor tells you this is put all kinds of names on things. They put all kinds of titles and whatever. Thank God I've got a name above all other names. Hey, man, I don't care what they call it. And they go to school for eight years or ten years to become a doctor or for five years to be a dentist or whatever. And they call all kinds of things like the, the way they see it. But My Bible teaches me to call things that are as if they aren't. And things that aren't as if they are. So it doesn't matter what, a, what kind of a name man puts on things. I've got a name that's greater. I've got a name that's above that name. People tremble at the name of Cancer. The Bible says that demons or devils tremble, amen, at the name of Jesus Christ. So when people come up with whatever name, whatever title, amen, believe, amen, the Lord is with me. What does that mean? Greater is he that is in you. He's not only with you, he's in you than he that is in the world. Name above all other names. And I don't care what you confess, what you profess. Jesus, my Lord and Savior, is with me. He is in me. Praise God. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not the hope of sickness. Not the hope of shame. Not the hope of sin. Not the hope of anything that is in this world. But the hope of? Someone say it again. The hope of? Glory. glory. Now Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So what does that mean? You're just going to sit there with that knowledge, having learned this, and do nothing? Are we not supposed to be profitable for the kingdom of God? If Jesus Christ is my Lord, I'm his servant. So many people saying he is Lord, and he is Lord, and they don't understand the concept of Lord and servant. It takes a humble person to realize and recognize that they are a servant of the living God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We get into the next verse. This shepherd leads me. Whom shall I follow? This shepherd made a statement in his days day, as my sheep Know my voice, amen, my sheep, amen, know who I am. My sheep will follow me, amen. He went on to describe, amen, what his, who his sheep are. When I see sheep, amen, there's lots of sheep. When I see sheep following a different shepherd, when I see sheep in a different pastor, when I see sheep, amen, they're, they're not the sheep of Jesus. Because Jesus says, my sheep, Can someone say, my sheep? This is what Jesus, he says, my sheep. Jesus has some sheep. There's other flocks, but Jesus has his own sheep. He says, my sheep, these are my sheep. And when you get into Psalm, amen, again, what David wrote, he says, he says, my shepherd, he will lead me. When it comes time to lie down, my shepherd will make me, he maketh me lie down. He leads me to where I'm supposed to be led. Why? Because my Lord is with me. As the angel proclaimed, amen, to Mary in Luke chapter 1. But I thank God today this scripture can hold true to me where God is with me. Can someone say with me? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm going to read a verse in Hebrews before I get going. I I'm still working on my introduction. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I want to get to verse 6. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Or maybe I'll spend some time in verse 5. I don't understand. I mean, people, and I'm not talking about the man down the street. Your neighbor, your ungodly neighbor, should be coveting all about you. He should want what you have. Because if you are godly... If you have God, if you are blessed uh, with the blessings of Abraham, we're in Hebrews, so I may as well stick to Hebrews. The world should want what you and I have, and it should not be the other way around. Thank you, sister. What I just said was true. That's what my sister just, she agreed. She said, that's true. I have a problem when I see God's children so-called talking about how big their neighbor's house is and how big their neighbor's car is and how big the neighbor's bank account is. Well, I know there's nothing wrong with God, so there must be something wrong with you. Because if I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, I should not have a reason to covet except coveting the best gift. So now that I've taken care of that, let me move on. Covet the best gift Don't covet anything else. Envies and jealousies that people have when they look at things. And it's all kinds of different things. People even look at other, you know, somebody's, well, she married the right man. How do you know? He got lucky, he married the right woman. How do you know? You've never lived with her. Amen. Everything always looks good on the outside. Wait till you get inside. kitchen in the middle of the night we should not talk like this we should not the flesh should not be making these comparisons even amongst yourselves Paul said if you do it you are not wise destroy each other from the inside till there's nothing left reminds me of who the destroyer what's his name Satan, Lucifer, the devil, all of, whatever. He's got a few names. Because he comes to destroy. Now, God being with me, what have I got to covet? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. he Why covet the creation? Why go after what has been created? Go after the creator. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. And all these things, I mean, Jesus had the same, he was preaching the same thing in his day, telling people, I mean, you're going after the riches of this world, you're going after silver, you're going after gold. He gave us a parable in Luke chapter 16 of a rich man who had a table and nothing was lacking on that table. But it didn't do him any good. He couldn't take that table with him into the grave. And what he took with him, what he ended up with, I should say, what he took with him, what he ended up with, was torment night and day. While the flesh was alive, he could drink. It was all you can drink, and it was all you can eat. That's the vision that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 16. Buffet style. All you can eat and all you can drink. But we ended up in hell, the Bible says, there was nothing left to eat, and there was nothing left to drink. Amen. He was begging for a drop. Not a goblet. Not a 64-ounce supersized me like McDonald's does. He was begging for a drop that he could not get. This is a parable that Jesus gave us. And here when I read, he says, let your conversation be without covetousness. I don't want to hear talk of it. If I go back to an older definition of the word conversation, conversation covers much more than what just comes out of your mouth. It's your lifestyle. It's how you live. Grab a dictionary that's 150 years old, and that's how conversation is described when they wrote the King James Bible. It's more than just what you say. It's what you say and do. It's all about you. And he says, let your conversation not be. Don't covet after the things. Don't let your eyes covet. Don't let your tongue do any talking about being coveting. Don't let your heart covet. Let your lifestyle, the way you live, be without covetousness. He says, and be content. Are we content? Paul says, I've needed to learn. Doesn't matter if I'm floating on a piece of wood trying to make it to some dry land because the ship wrecked. I've learned to be content. Doesn't matter if I'm in jail, I've learned to be content. Doesn't matter what the flesh wants me to believe or to think because the flesh is always trying to tell you things. Jesus said, Satan will come. He says, the devil will come. Lucifer will come. But he is the father of lies. And all he is going to do is tell you stories, give you a song and dance. Won't line up with the scriptures. And Jesus called him a liar. Now I have no problem with the devil lying. Because all he does, whatever comes out of his mouth, is just, it's just lies. I have no problem with that. I have a problem when people believe his lies. Thank you so much for spending this time with me in the Word of God. I believe we are being blessed with good word that will give us good thoughts as we go about our daily activities. My name is Lincoln. Get your Bible. We have been reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. We're about to go into the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. This is the second installment in a three-part series, which I have called The Three Attitudes. This teaching is giving us the I will attitude. Sometimes, even though we can, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will go about doing what God wants us to do. We can read in the Bible where it says, The Lord is my helper. Now, God does not help you do nothing. This is important for us to understand. He is our helper, but he's not going to help us just sit around and do nothing. And you don't need help to do nothing. We have two promises that belong to the children of God. Promise number one, the Lord is with thee. Now it's about to get better. Number two, the Lord says, I will never leave thee. Isn't that good? Can someone say amen? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our lives. We need to confess this every day. Every day of our lives, we need to confess the Word of God. Start your day with these words. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. In a few minutes, we're gonna read verse 8 in Hebrews chapter 5. Get your Bible directly from the Word of God. You're listening to That's the Truth. I have no problem with that. I have a problem when people believe his lies. Think about what I'm saying. Because you're not gonna be able to stop. When I read this text with this teaching that Jesus gave us it kind of leads me to believe saying, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's always going to lie. I don't think there's anything you and I can do about it. He's just going to lie. One thing we can do about it is not believe his lies. He's a liar. He will always lie. He's the father of lies. But when something comes my way that doesn't line up, it, it it doesn't agree with my spirit, It doesn't line up with the word of God. That's why it doesn't agree with my spirit. Then I won't believe. I won't receive. I won't accept what he's trying to get me to believe. We have two examples. Genesis chapter 3. Where his lies were received and believed. And look what happened. Sin entered into the world go into the New Testament, into the fourth chapter of Matthew, Jesus withstood his lies. Jesus withstood his half-truths, if you would. Because a half-truth still means there's a half-a-lie. He could quote some scripture, but he was missing A word or two. And I thank God that Jesus is able to stand, he was able to withstand, and he was able, amen, to maintain and uphold the integrity of God's word by saying, It is written. What does that mean? And I've said this before. For you or for Jesus able to say, It is written, you've got to know your scriptures. Amen. You've got to know what thus saith the Lord. Person that came knocking to your door, sister, he should know Chloe is in the Bible. It's a a biblical name, but he didn't. Unfortunate. Thank God for the word of God. How many times did Jesus say, it is written? I've never counted it. How many times did Jesus say, as it is written? Amen. I mentioned Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 2, where the writer, amen, Mark, was able to Refer to the prophets. In the beginning was the ministry. This was the gospel of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Amen. As it has been told, as it has been written, amen, according to the prophets. The prophets came and they spoke words. They established it was written. When you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Habakkuk, amen, Amos, Amen, any of the prophets that you can read. Moses, praise God, thank God when you read this. And, and here came a man that was sent by God who was able to fulfill what had been written. I thank God it's written for me today. And when I read this, we're reading in Hebrews, listen to what is, what we read here says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee. Now a few minutes ago when you confessed, for the Lord is with me, if you thought that was good, it just got better. Did it get better? Back up a few words and reread it. The Lord is with me. What did we just read now? And He will never leave me. That just got better. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We sang a few minutes ago. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful, thankful, thankful. All the days of my life. It's part of the psalm that David left us in 23. All the days. Of, surely, are you sure of it this afternoon? When I get to that verse, I think it's verse 5, psalm 23. I'm sure goodness and mercy shall follow me. David ran around for 15 years with a, a reward on his. Amen. He was a wanted man for 15 years. But he was able to write, he was able to say, surely goodness and mercy has followed me. Are you with me this afternoon? It's going to get better, amen. Can it get better than this? He says, the Lord is with me. Thank God. We We need to confess this. You get up in the morning And when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, talk to that image, talk to that person in the mirror and say, surely goodness and mercy is with you today. The Lord is with you. Begin to speak the word, prophesy the word. Let it come forth out of your mouth. Let it come out of your mouth so that your ears can hear. So that we can continue with our, with your daily living, whatever whatever your plans, whatever your schedule is for the day, you can go ahead and do it with the Lord, with my Lord, with Jesus Christ. One or two people, are you ready to be bold? So what do you say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Jesus Christ who, my Lord who, helps me. The Lord is my helper. This is not only giving you, amen, I want you to walk out of here not only with the attitude that you can or that I can, but I want you, amen, to have this attitude this afternoon saying, I know I can. This means I will. With my Lord. With Jesus Christ. Amen. doesn't matter what we've gone through. Thank God we're here today. And some of you, I know if you were to stand and testify, I know you would saying that, but for the grace of God. We've gone through sufferings, we've gone through deaths, we've gone through famines, we've gone through lack, we've gone through wants, we've gone through all kinds of things. And but for the grace of God, thank God his mercy is everlasting. Praise God. Thank God that his grace, praise God, is there for us. Not because I'm in sin, but because I serve God, who is a gracious God, who is a good God, and His grace is there for us today. Bring my tithes and bring my offerings that His grace may abound. Unto what? Some things? All things. Are you glad for that today? I and mean, in this is scripture, I want you to have this vision. He says, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is... My helper. I want someone to say that with boldness. One, two, three. The Lord is my help. Say it a second time with a little more boldness. One, two, three. The Lord is my help. Amen. Now, I want you to think of what you just said. Because I'm going to say something now. The Lord's not going to help you do nothing. Nothing. That was quick, sister. I thought some of you would have to sit there and say, now wait a minute, the Lord is my helper, but now He's not going to help me? Yeah, He's not going to help you sit there and do nothing. Psalm 1 and the third verse says, and whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. People sit there, they talk about their lack of prosperity, and I look at their lack of doing. When God says, draw nigh eye unto me, and I'll draw an eye unto you, he says, call unto me, and I will call unto you. God says, give, and it shall be given. Amen. Somehow, it, all this leads me, and there's much more. It seems to me, you and I have to do the first step. You and I have to be active, and then God gets much more active in return. So when I sit there saying, the Lord is my helper, he's not going to help you do nothing. Because you don't need help to do nothing. When you do nothing... And I've said this before. i got to back this up because this is what I preached. You want to go to hell? Do nothing. Mom and dad does their thing and then all of a sudden, doctor gives you a slap on the butt and you start crying and you're born. And if you do nothing, you end up in hell. So the Bible says, Paul says, says, if you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, if you work, not work for it. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. We know that. Don't take this out of context, what I'm trying to say. You're not working for it. Once you get saved, we're saved unto good works. That's verse 10. Even hey, I know what it says in 8 and 9, but you need to read verse 10. For those of you who are just know verses 8 and 9. When we begin to do something that God wants us to do, this is where we can say that God is with me. What David accomplished, amen, I mentioned David and Goliath on the battlefield. What David accomplished on the battlefield that day, he didn't do it on his own. Even though Goliath could only see a little runt of a lad, Goliath didn't see what was about to hit him. Goliath couldn't see the, um, the spirit, which is how David came up against him. The flesh, the carnal couldn't see the spiritual things that David had on his side. That's why I can walk with confidence. I can walk with assuredness. Let people know that God who is with me, if I'm doing the will of God, I cannot fail. If I'm fulfilling God's purpose, if I'm fulfilling the will of God, David did not expect failure. Otherwise, he wouldn't have ran at him the way he did. If David expected failure he would have been hanging out with his brothers and all the other failures in the field that day. But David said, I have experience with a bear. I have experience with the lion. What is Goliath? A little bit bigger, but he's defying. He's defiling the children of God. He's mocking the name of the Lord. Were you saying the bear and the lion? I don't understand. Oh, they were after the sheep. Stay spiritual. Stay with me. Our weapons, they are not carnal, but they are mighty. To what? To pull down the strongholds. And there's strongholds in the lives of people that need to be destroyed, that need to be pulled down. We need to be a people, amen, that walked around. Even the example that we have, when they walked around Jericho, there was no sin in the camp. And when they did what God told them, when they did what God asked them to do, the Bible says the walls came down. And they were pretty big walls. When sin entered the camp, when you read, amen, two, three chapters later in Joshua, when sin entered the camp, there was chaos all of a sudden. Where was God? Joshua's rolling around the tent kicking up a dust storm, pounding his forehead on the, on the, in the dirt, throwing his clothes off. God, where were you? You told me as, as I was with Moses, so, so shall I be with you. Well, God doesn't come near or when there's sin in the camp, God will just stay on his throne and mind his own business. Because that's what happened to Joshua. God had to come down and say, Joshua, stop your foolishness. What are you getting on with? I don't know his generals and the people watching or hearing the commotion that Joshua is throwing his little hissy fit in the tent. And I don't know, they're sitting there saying, well, what are we going to do now? Joshua's done lost his mind. God had to come down and say, Joshua, there's sin in your camp. Get up and get rid of the sin in the camp. And here we're reading, let not your conversation be with, amen, let it be without covetousness. And the sin that Joshua had to deal with, Achan, at least Achan wasn't a liar. When he got caught, he says, Achan, what'd you do? Oh, yeah. I broke a couple of commandments. He said, I saw some things, and he said, I wanted them coveting. Commandment number 10, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's anything. Broke a commandment right there. He said, I saw. I wanted it to. He hasn't sinned yet, but it was starting to. He should have stopped when he saw what he shouldn't have coveted. But he kind of kept the flesh going. I saw it. I wanted it. Oh, we break a commandment. I took it. Oh, there goes another commandment now you're on a roll. This was the sin of Achan. Go ahead and read it. Now Achan breaks it down. He says, I saw it and I wanted it. The robes looked good. He never got to wear it. He saw the the lump of gold or the silver, whatever it was, the money, never got to spend it. And when I talk to people about sin, I say sin may have you going for a while, but it's only a seasonal thing. When you read the choice that Moses had to make, do I enjoy the sins for a season? The pleasures of Egypt for a season? Or will I suffer the persecution and suffer with my, my own kind? Do something for the glory of God. Do something that will be considered everlasting. Had Moses chosen the pleasures for a season and such, we would never hear tell about Moses. Moses would have just died like the rest of them. But because he chose, he meant to do something for God. Because he chose to do something with God, even though he argued with God, said, "Are you sure you're making the right choice, there, God? I'm not so sure." My brother, he's got, some, he's got some more fancier words. He's got a better speech. And, hey, remember, God says, You're, I pick you. If you want your brother, I'll get your brother to help you. But God picked Moses, prepared Moses, 40 years in the, coats of, in the courts of Egypt, 40 years wandering the desert as a shepherd. And he knew all about the courts of Egypt. And he knew all about the desert. things that he needed to know, things that he needed to learn, instructions, amen, that he would have need, that he needed to fulfill the will of God for the next 40 years of his life. He didn't know, but for 80 years, he was in training for what God needed him to do, to set his people free. When Joshua, when he got up, finally got rid of the sin, God came back into the camp, And this is how today, I want you to have this vision today, how we can have God. When we read this, he says, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So now that you can, amen, are you going to do it? Vessels meet for the master's use? Are you ready to be used? Though he were a son, now we're talking about Jesus Christ said, I know, I know, I need to learn something, and I know Paul needed to learn something. Listen to what. Though he were a son, there's a capital S here. i have been Hebrews 5, verse 8. Sorry, I changed chapters. I was in 13. We were in 13. Roll back a few pages. Sorry about that. Hebrews chapter 5, in the 8th verse. It says, though he were a son, and his name is? Yet he, I still hear some pages turning. I'll give you a minute. I want you to find that verse and read it with me. Praise God. Do you have it? Though he were a son, yet it's the next word. Amen. He, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Remember what we read to the Philippians? What Paul wrote to the Philippians, rather what we read? He says, for I have learned. It doesn't matter whatever state I'm in. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning things. Whether I'm floating on a board, I learned that he is with me. I get myself out of the water. I'm cold. I'm wet. I'm shivering. Got goosebumps all over my skin. I'm trying to build a fire. And the viper jumps out of the fire. I learned that he is with me. I just got to shake it off. And the people sitting around the fire that witnessed the viper coming out of the fire, they looked at Paul and they said, oh man, he must be a real mean murderer. Because now the vipers, you got to be bad for a viper to bite you. They had some, they had a different kind of idea. Oh, Paul was bad. Paul was bad for the devil. He was bad for the kingdom of the devil. The devil wanted to get rid of him because a whole bunch of people were about to be saved. God took a bad situation and turned it into a good situation. If this man can shake a viper off, if this man can defy him and the venom of a viper, certainly he can do things. And Paul began to do works, signs, and wonders amongst these people because they became, they believed. They saw something that they had never seen before. And Paul was able to say, God is with me. It's not what you think that can happen. It's not what can happen to earth. Though I go through the waters, God is with me. Though I go through the fires, you shall not be burned. He says, I shall be with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Amen. Are you walking? And when you end up in the valley of the shadow of death, don't sit down. David says, though I walk through the valley. We're going to go through valleys of darkness, valleys of shadows, and valleys of death sometimes. Just keep walking because there's life on the other side. Why? Because the Lord is my helper. We read in verse 6, in Hebrews 5 verse 8, Though he were a son, Jesus Christ, yet he learned obedience by the things. Get to read, we're going to go into 1 Timothy. And I want you to read him in the first chapter, Paul, Paul begins to teach this young man. And jump down to verse 12 in 1 Timothy, chapter 1. First epistle of Timothy that Paul wrote in chapter 1. I want you to read verse 12. I got about 10 minutes left, so get to where we're going. Even on the CD. Or we'll put another one in. CD ran out this summer. Oh, I think I was told. The CD just ended... So, and before I could say or do anything else, sister sitting, I think in the front row, in the second row, sister says, you better not be finished preaching. I didn't drive three hours for you to preach one hour. She says, you put another CD in and keep going. She says, I didn't drive all this way. I didn't drive three hours to get a one hour sermon. Praise God. I just want to make sure what's being recorded so we can get it up out there so people can listen. Those of you listening to the radio or That's the Truth or to the podcast, trust the word of God is blessing you today. I'm going to read in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, And I thank Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can someone say thank you, Jesus? The next four words I have underlined in my text, who hath enabled me. Do we understand that word, enabled? A B L E, if you want to pull out one of the words that's in there, I am able. I can. And this is what I'm getting at. And I'm still sticking to that verse amen, that we read. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's writing a different epistle. His message has not changed. Are you with me this afternoon? He says, and I thank our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who's enabled me. Jesus Christ is being glorified. He's being thanked. I thank Him. I thank Jesus Christ. Who hath enabled me? Praise God. Who hath given me the right mind? Who hath given me a vision so I do not perish? No vision, God says. My people perish. Thank God that Jesus came with a vision. He came, the Bible says, able to open up blind eyes because there was a time when I could not see. Open up deaf ears because there was a time when I could not hear. Loose the tongue because there was a time when I could not glorify God. Jesus Christ did all that so that we can be a son and a daughter of God, not only profitable for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, the works that I do, ye shall do. And when I leave, you're going to keep doing them. This is what he told his disciples. Just before he left. He says, in greater works ye shall do. And then he gave them a promise and he said, I will be with you. Read that in the I believe it's the last chapter of Matthew where Jesus gave them this, them this promise and then he blessed them. He says, and I'll be with you. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? I mean, when you look at this today when, when you read him and hear Paul is telling Timothy, he says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord He hath enabled me. The reason why, I mean, if you keep reading, why has he given me this power? Why has he given me this vision? Why has he given me this mind? Why has he given me this structure? Why has he he enabled me? Because he counted me for that. He counted me faithful. He put me into this ministry, knowing that I would be faithful. I was Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of the church. When I came into town, Christians ran. When you read the Bible, amen, he would scat. the Christians would scatter. But then the Bible says that was a good thing. Because when Saul of Tarsus would come and the Christians would scatter, when they scattered, they would still sow the word, they would still sow the seed. Read it in the Acts. The Bible says he said the Christians would scatter, but the word that they took with them, the word went abroad. So all of a sudden, they weren't just preaching to their neighbors. They left town and they were preaching or teaching the word, which was going abroad. Amen. Was in a different town, in a different valley, if you would, in a different. You get the picture? So Paul says, amen. His testimony, his own words. He says, I would create havoc to the church. But God had a plan. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? God has a plan. I thank God when we know, when we read the scriptures and find out the mind of God and what he is, we just found out that God doesn't help me do nothing. If I want the help of God, I got to be doing something. If I want God to help me, if I want God as my helper, help me do something. As I said at the beginning of this teaching, I said people are, they get themselves into this routine or a rut for 10 years. They've given $50 every two weeks. For 30 years, they've sat in the same seat, parked their car in the same place. God on the bus at the same time to get to the same church, to get to the same pew. And then they wonder, where is God? When God says, sing unto me a new song, when God says, I will do a new thing, and you keep doing the same old thing over and over and over again, and then God gets blamed. Where is God? Why am I limp? Why am I lame? Why am I crippled? Why does it hurt? Why are my teeth falling out? Why can't I remember anything anymore? Don't look toward God. Look what's happening. Look what you're doing. Look what you can be doing that is better. better—an increase. When the Bible says, I want you to grow in the grace. And thank God for his grace, but I'm going to grow in it. There's going to be more of it than there was 10 years ago. Kept me from sin for 10 years, that's a whole lot of grace. Kept me out of religion for 20 years, that's a whole, that takes a whole lot more grace. Kept me out of sin and religion for 30 years, takes a whole lot of grace. Grow in the grace. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I would that ye prosper. I mean, this is John writing to the church in his day. I would that you prosper in health. If your soul is not prospering, your health is not prospering, there is a prosperity, there's something, something, pr- something prospers, something needs to progress when we're with God. Amen? I believe that. When I see the scriptures... This is the vision that I get. So not only do I sit here today knowing that I can do all these things, but I'm going to get up off my behind, spiritually speaking, and I'm going to begin doing things that will bring glory to God, doing things that will make the devil mad, make him upset. I won't be coveting after the flesh of this world. I won't be coveting after what the neighbors are doing, what whoever's doing what. Because I have God with me. I can go forth. I can get up. Amen. Thank God, amen, for this day. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. I was glad when they said, let us come into the house of the Lord. The day that I spend in this place, it's worth a thousand anywhere else. Amen. If you don't spend a day, count the hours. We've been here for what? Three hours now? Four hours? I don't know what time it is. I know I'm long-winded, but I don't know what time it is so if we've been here for four hours already some of you listening to me that have never been in a meeting sitting there now you're getting nervous saying this this goes on for four hours thank the lord i'm getting ready for eternity people ask me why do you preach forever because his word is everlasting once you get into his word you can't stop because the word doesn't stop but anyways we're getting ready for eternity amen so count it you've been here for three hours multiply that by a thousand anywhere else Psalm 84, if I'm not mistaken. This is what David wrote. He says, "A day in your Par um, is the French word, but in your courts. Thank you. A day in your courts is like a thousand somewhere else." So I start doing the math. Whatever time I spend in the house of God, it's worth a thousand walking the mall. It's worth a thousand walking the street. It's worth a thousand just shooting the breeze with whatever neighbor sitting in the rocking chair. It's worth a thousand, it for people that sit there and they can't get themselves off Google. It's worth a thousand. I'm in the house of God. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the sanctuary of God. And I come into this place, praise God, where I find peace and this peace which is everlasting. Praise God, amen. I can be at ease because I am where God wants me to be today and forever. All the days of my life, David said, I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here we are this afternoon, and I know the flesh is saying, time to go. It's getting late. Getting hungry. If he doesn't hurry up, by the time I get home, my roast is going to be all burned up in the oven. I tell people, I hope you didn't set your timer, because we're on God's time. Never mind technology. So we have to, amen, allow God to have his way, to have his will. And what I'm learning today is this, he hath enabled me, Paul says. He says, I thank Christ Jesus because he hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into this ministry, the ministry. I'm going to stand up and do something and God won't let me down. I said this before. I don't know if the CD was on. I'll just say, try and grab the end of the CD it's not what I think. God's gonna prosper what I do. See, a lot of people, they have these thoughts. And when they think, amen, oh, now that I'm a son of God or a daughter of God, I'm gonna be the next millionaire. And they just sit there, just thinking and dreaming. Dreamers of dream, read that in the Bible. Dreamers of dreams, rather. And then 10 years down the road, they're wondering, well, God, what's taking you so long? Well, you haven't done anything yet to be honored. You haven't given anything yet to be multiplied. You haven't said anything yet. You haven't put the word. What's on the tip of your tongue? The Bible teaches us, if you can move your tongue and say the right words, you can say life. You can command life into things. If you say the wrong things, it becomes death. That power, the Bible says, is in your tongue. It's up to your tongue. So make a choice today. The Lord is with me. I can do all things. Write it on your wall if you have to. Put a note on your refrigerator. People open the fridge more times a day than they open their Bible. Now it's quiet. Count how many times. They should put little counters on refrigerator doors for Christians. Selling whatever, I'd sell fridges for Christians with a counter on it. Every time you open the door, counter. One, two, three. At the end of the day, I open my fridge 17 times and then have a little counter on your Bible. You go look at your Bible. Oh, I didn't open my Bible yet today. Compare the flesh to the spirit. People running around saying Lincoln's going to sell Christian refrigerators with the counter on it. Because like I said, people open their fridge doors more than they open the door of life, the Bible doors the Bible door, if you would, Bible, the covers. Preacher 150 years ago, he coined the phrase, he said, the dust on people's Bibles is so thick, you can take your finger and write damnation on the cover of their Bibles. And that holds true. He said this 150 years ago, that holds true today. Thank God. Amen. There's no dust on my word. Amen. There's no dust on my Bible this afternoon. I've opened up to read that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. Today, the vision, that's the attitude that I have. But today, I'm going to have an attitude that I will. Can someone say, "I I will? Praise God. Why? Because the Lord is with me. Why? Because the Lord is my helper. Why? Because it is He who has enabled me. He's given me the power. He's given me the right mind. He's given me the strength to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I thank God today that not only I can, but I will, praise God, amen. Let's give God a good hand. Praise God, before we say or do anything else. Praise God. Everyone clap, amen. Blessed be in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, that's better. Praise God. Amen, his name is? Hallelujah. Praise God. The I will attitude. I trust after listening to this teaching, along with reading several passages of scriptures that we have been looking at, that you now have this I will attitude. This is part two. Part one was I can. I thank God today with the vision that we have received. Not only I can, but I will. Can you say that with me? I will. Tell your friends and family how they too can be blessed. Tttpodcast.life. That's where to go to get more of these sermons. Stay tuned. There's a lot more of the word of God coming up. You're listening to That's the Truth.